Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marcher. Matt, are you ready to run this review? Ready to run this town, buddy? How you doing? That's, uh, that's not the movie we're talking about, Run This Town. That's also another movie. Yeah, that is. Today, we're just reviewing Anish Chengnadi's, uh Run, uh, starring Sarah Paulson and Kira Allen. Uh, released today, uh, November the 20th on Hulu in the United States. Uh, it does not have a Canadian release date as of yet. So apologies to our Canadian listeners. Uh, you're getting a sneak peek on if this movie's worth it, uh, but you won't be able to see it for a little while. If it's anything like some of the other Hulu original movies, it might take a while. I know we have Happiest Season coming, which E1 is distributing here in Canada, so we are getting it on Wednesday, the 25th of November, but something like Palm Springs uh, is getting released in December, finally, here in uh, Canada, but um sorry we are reviewing run so this one's for our american listeners hey we should also say with palm springs it's amazon prime canada that is streaming yes thank you for clarifying that yeah so with these hulu originals it looks like they're kind of you know jumping around to different spots depending on who picks up each individual movie for the international rights um which is we're getting into interesting territory especially with the recent news with like wonder woman on hbo max in the u.s and a lot of these services like hulu and hbo max aren't available here in canada so we're always wondering kind of uh what our options are but we know we have some international lister listeners especially american listeners so we still wanted to review run just like we did with palm springs uh, a few months ago so uh Without further ado, Eric, what is so? Run? Yeah, Matt mentioned that uh, this is from director Anish Shiganti, who also directed Searching, which was the screen life suspense thriller with John Cho searching for his kidnapped daughter. Um, this t- we have a review up if you guys want to yeah, check it out. This time around, um, he's reteaming with the same uh, his same co writer uh, Sev Ohioan uh, to make a more conventional horror movie. Although it is playing with certain tropes that were in searching that certain confinements um sort of you know with no cell phone or no technology at the protagonist's disposal but essentially what you have is a two-hander with sarah paulson as an overbearing mother um who is basically gaslighting her teenage daughter chloe played by a relative newcomer kira allen um who i think in my opinion is the best part of this movie um is also the first wheel bound uh wheelchair bound actor in 70 years to take a leading role since uh susan peters in the sign of the ram which is despicable yeah really, yeah well i mean we'll talk about that as as we that, go on a little yeah, we'll bit talk of, about uh, it you know as we move on but yeah it becomes this two-hander sort of a, a um sort of a fight of the wills a battle of the wills and whether or not um you know the mom uh diane played by sarah paulson is um specifically you know keeping uh her daughter um captive in their kind of isolated small town uh in washington state which is actually shot in manitoba in this kind of secluded isolated um sort of just outside of their town um home and everything is kind of you know other than you know going shopping once a week you know produce is grown there there's a routine where um the the Chloe character, as we learn in the beginning, or maybe not, um, has 
multiple autoimmune disorders from arrhythmia to asthma uh, and paralysis. And this is one of the many things that uh, this movie does in terms of spoon feeding is that it gives you the medical definitions of each one of the illnesses that the character has. And then with the last one, uh, paralysis, it has the word run and then it sort of highlights that. And I, and I knew that that was going to happen as soon as like <laughs> you see them come up slowly, like the name of the autoimmune disorder and then the definition and then the name and then the definition. And then at the very end you see paralysis and it's like, it, you know, it, it could uh, affect walking or run, you know, or like running or like, you, you know, you can't walk or run and then you see run and then it's just, you know, highlighted. And then it's like, that's the kind of movie it is. There's a lot of suspension of disbelief. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of sort of play with the idea that, you know, is this real? Is this not happening? You know, is it all in the character's head? But then it kind of becomes pretty clear. But I would even say in the opening prologue of the movie, you're pretty much tipped off to what this film is going to be and what the character motivation is for Sarah Paulson's character. Like, it feels like it's not really hiding anything, even though it wants to kind of be more twisty than it is. Twist. So, yeah. you know, it's pretty I think it's well made. Like, it looks good. It's, you know, the performances are fine. I think uh, Kira Allen is the best part of this in terms of performance. I think she's actually even better I would than agree, Sarah yeah. Paulson. And Sarah Paulson is interesting because, like, she doesn't play it up to 11. Like, she kind of plays it in this weird kind of middle ground where she can be, she can be she big, gets there. <laughs> but she's not as big as, like, Faye Dunaway and Mommy Dearest or even, you know, like, Kathy Bates and Misery. And that's what this movie reminded me the most of. It's Misery with Mommy, yeah. basically. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I was um I was mostly underwhelmed by this. Like I was pretty disappointed. I was uh I like searching quite a bit. Um, I thought that was a, a a huge pleasant surprise just from the style and some of the twists in that movie. I feel like while they're ridiculous, I feel like they work a little bit better than in this movie. And I agree with you that uh, Kira Allen is kind of like the the best part of the movie. Um, and I, I am always here for more representation in movies. And um, it's something we talk about every once in a while, Eric, about showing, you know, disability in film and, and how it's usually either played off as a joke, or like you said, it took 70 plus years to have a leading actor who is wheelchair bound. Um, and I just felt like, even the way the movie plays with some of the genre tropes and how I'm all here for representation and, and Kira gives a great performance, but I even felt a little icky in the way that it kind of, I don't know, involves that into the plot and makes that the central kind of thing of like, this is a, a, a horror someone has to live with and stuff like that. Or maybe I'm misreading that of like, it's more of the horror that, you know, the character's going through with, I don't know. Are but you talking like, specifically? I, I felt just about, there's a scene in the film where she's locked in her room and she has to get out. And the only way to mm -hmm. do it or the way that she – because what we learn about Kira early on is that she is extremely bright. She's not defined by yeah. her disability. She no, has an engineer-esque sure. brain. Like, you know, she's building a homemade printer, but she doesn't have access to the internet or a cell phone. So she's, you know, self-taught, homeschooled for the most part, getting ready for college, really excited for the next chapter in her life. There's a scene where – you know, this is like the first kind of like 
you know, red flag to mom not being completely, you know, upfront with her and locking her in her room um, after, you know, going out to the movies and sort of trying to her trying to figure out what this pill is that she has been uh, given by her mom um, and that she's trying to break out of the room. But the only way that she can do it is through the window and going around, but she'll have to literally lift herself up out of her chair and crawl from outside of the window i don't mind that scene i think it's actually quite powerful of her her you know uh again like you said she's super intelligent she's getting out of this predicament situation in that moment right totally and it's cool there are some cool moments i mean more just from like uh maybe some of the tropes and the horrors of it all of how it kind of involves her conditions and, and and things like that. And I just, I don't want to get too, too much into spoiler territory, but there was some of that stuff that I just felt like is played up as like, this is horrible things that are happening to you. And I, while I want more representation and in, in movies and things like that, I don't think it always needs to just, it's good stepping stones, right? You use genre as a way to get in and you go, okay, well we can cast, um, uh, you know, this girl who's very talented because it makes sense for this role. But like, I just like, if we're going to, I think it's better to have it not be the central kind of plot point or some of the things of like, oh, someone's doing bad things to you, which it, it ties into her um, conditions and stuff like that. And that's the stuff that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And maybe I'm misreading that. I don't know. Or maybe I'm reading too much into that. And maybe uh, someone who's maybe, you know, more informed on, it all that can kind of enlighten me. Uh, I don't want to misspeak or anything, but that stuff just to me, I went, ah, like I love seeing representation in film and I love seeing this, you know, like you said, the first uh, uh, in 70 years. Um, but I just felt at times going, ah, there could have been a, a better way of, of having representation of, you know, people with disabilities and, and things in film that doesn't need to revolve around, uh, yeah, do you know what yeah, I'm saying? No, I, I, I get what you're saying in the kind of like how the movie kind of handles it, but there's this weird kind of sort of double-edged sword to it because it is a genre movie and it is kind of playing like, I mean, a lot of horror movies or suspense thrillers like horror films play with exploitation. And this is, this yeah, is more of a, a conscientious effort and it's not sort of, you know, taking, her disability lightly. And, you know, if they were to have cast an able body actor, I could have seen some of the twists kind of being even more preposterous or offensive in, in some way or another and, and less sensitive to the situation. But you look at something like sound of metal as well, which is also now starting to get released in, in theaters, if theaters are opened and eventually it'll be on Amazon prime in the U S and, it's also going to be on the TIFF uh, yeah, the Lightbox yeah. digital and streaming And you look platform. how that movie kind of deals and handles, you know, with with the deaf community and the idea of someone losing their hearing. And, you know, Riz Ahmed is not actually losing his hearing in real life, but the director has somebody in his own life that he knows and he can sort of, you know, take those experiences and write it into the script and actually bring in actors like uh, Paul Racy, who plays the, uh, the deaf uh, counselor that uh, he goes to in the film and who actually also can bring a lot of his own experiences and thoughts to the production and bringing in a cast that is, you know, also, you know, basically, kind of giving them more insight than 
maybe what would be written if it was a kind of typical studio movie. This is basically, you know, um, saying like, okay, well, we'll, we'll give ourselves a pat on the back because we've hired somebody with a disability, which is great. And I think that she is really, really good in the movie, but at the same time, it doesn't, it doesn't, it could have been deeper. I think it could have explored it a little bit further. And it kind of feels like when it does tackle it, it only goes to the point where it's like, okay, we'll, we'll have certain scenarios or set pieces where we have the character in, you know, dire situations, which is, or in peril, which is a lot of these kind of horror movies in general. But at the same time, we're not going to go too deep with exploring it because, you know, we were maybe uncomfortable or don't know enough to really get yeah, there. That's what I'm kind of thinking. Yeah. And that's what I kind of meant. Thank you for putting it that way. And bringing up Sound of Metal was a great uh, kind of comparison where I'm like just using it as this like plot beat for this like sinister aspect of it, just kind of. I don't know, rub me the wrong way a little bit. Um, but that being said, uh, I don't want to get too hung up on that. Like I, I, again, I agree with you that Kira Allen's performance is pretty solid. Sarah Paulson always hit or miss for me. I do feel like at times she was at 11 and I could have had it toned down, but I think she's mostly okay. Um, where it just falls apart with me is it just becomes kind of this conventional kind of, to me, sort of paint by numbers thriller by the end of it, sort of predictable, uh, you know, trying to be, Hitchcocky and with it's like Bernard Herman score and, and, and inspired score. And just, you know, I just, I don't know. I just felt, it felt like I've seen this movie a hundred times and I just didn't really find any of it that interesting. And then it just gets kind of more eye rolly and eye rolly by the end of it, where, you know, you, your suspension of disbelief can only go so far where certain characters are, are, leaving certain things places or doing certain things and you're like what or how how does no one understand what's happening here or wait let me go back like how did they get to this point without xyz and i feel like that stuff if you start you know seeing the writing there and going i don't think they really thought this out of like how and again it's a movie sometimes again suspension of disbelief you go okay We'll just pretend that everyone didn't understand what was happening here or that she got away with this for so long. And like, I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I was torn and I, it's not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. I just felt kind of underwhelmed by it. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a fairly middle of the road genre exercise. That's fine. Like, I think it's perfectly watchable. Um, it's yeah. slick. It's well made. Uh, the the cast, the two leads are good. I mean, it was fun seeing Pat Healy as the postman who he's not playing a scumbag in this, which was kind of refreshing in in a way. Oh um, yeah. But but at yeah. the same time, there's not a lot there. And I mean, Searching isn't a great movie either. And I think a part no. of what makes Searching unique or stand out is because it is a screen life film, and that it is. You know, yeah. playing with those because if it was kind of a straightforward, you know, abduction thriller, the way that you know this movie is, you know, kind of a, a single location movie as well, you know, I think maybe searching kind of would be would have been forgotten about, you know, minus John Cho's performance, which is really strong in that film. But again, the same thing with with you know, Kira Allen is really really good in this, and and I think that like if there was a gimmick or, or or novelty to this movie, maybe it would be more memorable, but because it is a little bit more straightforward. But again, I think it is also trying, at least with the script, it's trying to set up some confinements or things that it's like, okay, well, how do we write out, 
you know, cell phones and internet and any sort of ways to signal for help in a contemporary setting. Okay, well, we'll have the mom, you know, restrict all, you know, communication basically with the outside world or everything has to kind of be. She'll be homeschooled. She'll be, yeah. And so it's putting up these roadblocks for, you know, convenience sake for the writer and, or the writers. um, And the idea that, you know, okay, well, this is going to be the challenge for this character, but how do we do this in a way that will make sense? And it kind of just feels really contrived at times when it's when it's doing that because it's like there's always an answer for it and then eventually when you get to the point where you know the situation starts to crumble you have to realize well this is going to end like you can't just keep you know finding ways for this to go on you know like you have to you have to come to an organic ending at some point and i feel like you know the 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 script itself is kind of like trying to basically you know put that on pause for as long as possible or delay it. It's like, okay, well, we, we still want to have a little bit more time where, you know, these two characters are, are, are going at it or, you know, Chloe is, you know, still figuring things out and, you know, we'll spoon feed a lot of exposition and, yeah. and, you know, give you the clues. I mean, right in the beginning, the prologue gives this movie all away. And I'm not spoiling anything when I'm saying this, but there's a scene where Sarah Paulson's character is literally, you know, in a room, you know, watching her child in an incubator dying. And she asks the doctor, is she going to be okay? There's then a pregnant pause, which feels like, okay, well, we know it's not going to be okay. And then we get the titles and it's like, you kind of get the idea of what this movie is. And then logic goes completely out the window. But yeah, it's definitely, yeah, I see what they're trying to do there, but I mean, anyone who's seen any thriller movie before (laughs) understands what's happening here. And uh, I agree with you. And that's what I mean by it just felt like a little predictable and paint by numbers to me. And, and, and like, I don't know. It just, it's totally fine. I just, I will forget about this movie and I'll probably never think about it again. And I had a perfectly okay time watching it, but um, just kind of, kept going back to being like what is okay and it felt like we brought up in freaky how it felt like it had you know three different endings where i feel like this also does that as well where you're like all right let's get to it and like the epilogue and i'm like really is that where we're going with the epilogue now i'm like i i don't know about the epilogue is the worst thing about it and and the other thing that freaky freaky is more fun and playful where there's only really one moment of kind of that playfulness in this movie. And it's a, a a hard cut of when she discovers what the color of the pill she is taking is supposed to be. And we cut to a red tomato, you know, because the pill is green and white, but it's supposed to be red and it cuts to a red tomato. And it's like, that's the one kind of like jokey kind of thing that you could see, like the filmmaker or the editor was kind of like, you know, we need, we need like some sort of levity here for for a moment. And the other piece of levity that I think they tried is at the pharmacy with the pharmacist where she's like, I love games. Right. Or even like, the movie oh, theater. Well, was a- like they're watching a film called yeah. like Breakthrough or, or Breakout. And it's yeah. kind of like your typical or like it sounds like your typical kind of like action thriller kind of thing. Yes. 
And then the other thing that annoyed me, and usually product placement doesn't annoy me, but that fucking Kroger bag and how they and how they called back to it later is like egregious. It like and that shit usually doesn't annoy me because I'm like, all right, I get product placement is in movies is, is fine um, if it's not done to like a Michael Bay um, Bud Light truck degree right. or like. I, I'm fine if someone's drinking a Coke or, you know, whatever. I'd rather them have the dairy, real product dairy than something made up that you know what it is, yes. but it's just it's like we can't get the licensing. But when someone is awkwardly carrying a grocery bag with a giant Kroger uh, logo on it and then puts it down and then refers back when someone's like, oh, mom, I was looking for the chocolates or whatever. She was like, in the Kroger bag? And I'm like, oh, God, Well, what? you know what that reminded like, me of was I was just thinking of, of Good Mythical Morning when they're always yes, trying the Kroger yeah. – because pro- they usually like the Kroger products, so – I don't, yeah, but I guess it's a grocery chain in the U.S. I had to do some research because we don't have Kroger here. Um, I don't think we do. Um, but it was just so blatant, like it felt so out of place for a movie like this, which is why it stood out like a sore thumb. Because like, there's no other product placement in the movie. It's just like, did someone hit up like Kroger hit someone up and was like, yeah, we just can you include Kroger products in this? in this movie and there's no other blatant piece of like uh product placement at least like that's not that doesn't stand out and usually i'm not one who gets annoyed at that stuff i just kind of let it go uh, but there's sometimes like in movies where you know sony has a movie or someone they're like oh yes let's check on my sony ericsson phone or like when bing popped up in amazing spider-man and you're like no one uses well in, in bing. Get out as well just- right when she's searching yeah, on bing and it's yeah. like who uses bing <laughs> <laughs> it's more distracting and you know a company paid for that because no right-minded person would include Bing in their movie instead of Google. Um uh was it also no, it was a different movie. I'm not going to talk about that. I was going to bring up a social media platform. Um anyways, yeah, I got hung up on the product placement and then the movie just felt like a little, I don't know, just off and um I have n- not much else to say. It's a pretty paint by numbers kind of thriller um and i felt indifferent by the end of it i was like didn't like wasn't frustratingly like oh how what is happening it was almost like oh that's a choice and then just kept watching and i'm like all right it's like a kroger bag god i hated that part dude it didn't Uh, i mean like you did but like i understand what you're saying because it's like it's just strange how they refer to it more than once and they like they could have just did like shopping bag or like like oh go to yes we saw the kroger logo chill (laughs) like um it was very obvious and in our face but i'm not gonna get hung up on that but i still didn't care for the movie overall um i'm gonna give it a a 2.5 out of five i'm a little bit more generous i'll give it a even three or uneven three because three is an uneven number an odd number but um it yeah it's it's perfectly fine it's just it's one of those movies when you actually kind of dissect it and start poking holes in the plot it just kind of starts to unravel completely and it feels like this movie is trying to be tighter and more cohesive overall and thinks it's smarter than it actually is yes and i think that was my biggest issue with it and i wish we could have gone into a little bit more but again we're both saying it's a perfectly fine movie. If you have Hulu, like 
why not watch it? There's not much else right now when it comes to new content. I'm not saying don't watch it. I might just don't have super high expectations. It's like, and like Eric said, you might start picking it apart and there's stuff we were talking about, you know, off air because we were like, Oh, well let's tiptoe around this. Cause we don't want to give it away. But like, there's so many points in that last act where you're just like, wait, what? And well, then we're, we're like, not smart people, but at least we can figure yeah. out, like, it's not hard to figure out where this movie is going and what is going to happen because it's just, you know, it's not even tipping you off. It's literally saying this is what's going to happen. And, it, and when I mean, yeah. yeah, when I'm saying what isn't even based on plot points, it's more so like how the character comes to the same realization that we had in the opening moments of the movie. Right. Like that stuff is what we talked about where I'm just like, yeah, again, know, logic right? doesn't make any sense there, especially yeah. with like, okay, why would you want to give this character the information she needs to justify what she's doing? And like the way that it kind of, you know, plays out, it's like, well, I mean, that's your own fault that she figured it out because you put her <laughs> in the fucking place where she could find it all. And the way that it's all there, like, it's just like literally there. Like it's not hidden anywhere. Like it's not, it's easy to find. And again, I know I'm being cryptic with what I'm talking about, but like, it's just, it literally is laid out like the exposition is to feed you the information of what's going on to reveal to her what's going on. And, you know, Hitchcock has always been good with that kind of stuff where it's like, you know, he reveals the bomb under the table to the audience, but the characters don't know about it. And there's suspense there with this. I didn't feel that suspense. It's no, no, there's not that at all. And it really wants to be a Hitchcock movie, but like, it's just, I don't know. I just don't, I think it missed the mark personally, but, um, anyways, thank you all for listening. Uh, we got lots of reviews up on the channel right now. Uh, so please go check out our other reviews. We have stuff up, uh, like Christopher Landon's freaky, uh, Evan Morgan's the kid detective. Um, we got uh, come play, which was actually just released, uh, today on VOD. So you can check that out without going to a theater now. Um, the Borat subsequent movie film, we got reviews for tons of stuff and we got lots of stuff coming up the next, uh, month or so, um, should be pretty busy with tons of streaming content. It's award season. So you're going to start seeing uh, a bunch of movies drop on streaming services or try to get quick theatrical releases. Um, we'll be talking about all that news on the untitled movie podcast. New episode of our flagship show should be out this week where we're going to talk about, you know, there's Marvel Studios news with Deadpool 3. There's in Canada, Cineplex made a deal with Universal to match the one in the US with short theatrical windows. Wonder Woman's coming to HBO Dexter's Max. Dexter's coming back. Um, yeah, The Last of Us 2, or not Last of Us 2, Last of Us got an official green light from HBO. So there's lots of stuff to talk about. So Untitled Movie Podcast, please go subscribe there. We'll have our 79th draft out very, very soon for you guys. Uh, as well as Untitled Movie Conversations is returning uh, this week, actually. So keep an eye out on that channel, Untitled Movie Conversations. It's our interview hangout kind of show where we shoot the shit with like a friend or a, a colleague in the industry and kind of talk about whether it's something specific from their area, like um, Jay Wadley being the composer on Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things on Netflix, um, uh, or you'll see who's coming You might want to go back. I mean, speaking of the Cineplex deal, you might want to go back and listen to our interview with Sarah Van Lang and see like how that holds up. Because that was a question that I did ask 
during the interview about you know the the universal deal in 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 America. So you know, like yeah, Cineplex is following suit. So I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll talk more about that. But that would be an interesting thing to do a follow up interview even on. Yeah, maybe I would love to get Ellis Jacob and and talk to him about everything. We'll see. But we have some cool guests coming up, so keep an eye on that channel. And if you have two seconds, we'd love for you guys to go review a rate uh, that trilogy of podcasts on your podcast service of choice. Uh, follow us on all those social medias at untitled underscore cast. And as always, my name's Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all of those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. I'm usually tweeting random shit. Am I fleeting? I'm fleeting sometimes, Eric. It's fleet week, um, and then <laughs> It's fleet week. And then on Letterboxd, if you want to sort of spoil these reviews you can probably see what i'm gonna rate things over there unless we're embargoed which i don't change it until these reviews go up um eric yeah and i'm eric marchin you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and i'm on the social medias at em6211 and i would highly recommend seeking out sound of metal which is really one of the best movies of the year and handles invisible disability um super super cool um not super cool but like in a really well done way like i think we loved it nevis my fiance has been singing its praises and talks about how it handles invisible disabilities and i can't wait to rewatch it i know eric just did so i know we're kind of ending a review of run with saying go watch sound of metal but you should uh until next time run you fools run <laughs>